think about what the greatest ideas in all of human history have been. Um, I'm talking about the ideas that changed history, that made all the difference, that all of a sudden it was something that people had not thought about, but somebody had the inspiration, the idea. It could be a scientific discovery. It could be some uh, political. It could be religious. Uh, what are the greatest ideas in all of human history that have changed the direction of the world? You know, you can Google this. So I did. Um, just a few things I found on those lists. Uh, if we just go back to what would be considered prehistoric time, the invention of the wheel, okay? And um, we're going way back, okay? You could probably throw fire in there somewhere. No, it, it changed everything. Um, if you start moving through history, you might come to the concept of democracy, uh, maybe invented by the Greeks in the 5th century B.C., that instead of a ruler ruling over you, the people would rule. Actually, here in America, we are a reflection of that great idea 2,500 years ago. Um, if you got further into history, um, <laughs> I don't know this man's name, but the scientist who came up with the universe is centered on the sun, that everything uh, revolves around the sun, not the sun around the earth. Y'all can Google that. I can't pronounce his name. Glenn Frank knows because I know he's a science teacher. Um, that, that, so it was a, a revolutionary thought to see the universe as everything centered on the sun. Uh, I don't know. You might throw... Isaac Newton's um, concept of gravity, kind of in that. Uh, you might say something like the printing press could be thrown into that. Uh, as we get within 100 years or so of today, you might say electricity. I mean, that was revolutionary, the way it changed the world. If you really got close to us, and there's a lot of things... But let's just be honest, the invention of the computer and the internet changed everything in the way that we live. Uh, the greatest ideas of all time that changed the world. I'm going to make a statement here that I don't have time to defend, <laughs> but this is it. There is one great revolutionary idea or truth in the religious realm. Now, I'm including all world religions. And even if we got down to the Bible, there is one truth. Now, here's the thing. So the, all this year, in 2019, we've been looking at the Bible from 30,000 feet, one big story, and we've mainly, well, we've exclusively talked about people and events, 
today is the day. Today is the day of the one great idea or truth that revolutionized our world. And it emerges from the person that we're studying, the Apostle Paul, and the idea is justification by grace through faith. I don't have time to defend it today, but it is, of all world religions and even within Christianity, it is the great idea that transforms and revolutionizes the world. Justification by grace through faith. Justification meaning how we are made right with God. Grace means that it is God who does it. By faith means our response is simply to believe. Now, I don't have time to defend that. But I could tell you that Paul's teaching from his life and his letters placed its mark not just on religion and Western civilization in the world, but on culture. And it stems from one great idea, and we would call it a truth. It's not just like Paul went like, oh, you know what? I'm thinking about this today. No, this emerges from God himself and his character and his nature and his past history of everything we have studied to this point. It all emerges and comes to dominance. One great idea, justification by grace through faith. The greatest religious thought idea, truth in all of human history. And I guess you, you just have to take my word for that today, don't you? Well, we're going to talk about it anyhow, whether you take my word for it or not. I'm going to say no, it is. In all my years of study, as I look at the Bible from 30,000 feet, it is the great idea that still places its mark on our lives today. We've just sung about it. And it all emerges from the life and the letters of one man, Paul, the Apostle Paul. Today I want to take just a slice of that thought and I want to talk about what I would consider of all of that idea, justification by grace through faith. The most significant part of that is grace. I would want you to understand that as we have walked through the Bible in 2019, that ultimately I make the statement today that the story of redemption is the story of grace. It is the great theme that has traced its way through the Bible almost undetected. And all of a sudden in this one figure, emerges and dominates thought and theology, beliefs, and the way that we live. Uh, 
I need you to take your sheets this morning and look at those. There's going to be some things on that sheet that I want you to see. And I want you to see down at the bottom on the theological takeaways, the definition of grace. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. Unmerited is synonymous with the word undeserved. Favor is synonymous with love, kindness. And the source of all of that is from God. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. It is the undeserved kindness or love that God has exhibited towards us. The unmerited favor of God. The great thought is this. What grace teaches us is that we are not climbing in our goodness and our works and our righteousness to get to God. That's not what grace teaches us. Hear me again. We are not climbing in our works, our goodness, our righteousness to get to God. That's what all other religions, and quite honestly, many people within Christianity teach. That is not it. It is not that we are climbing to get to God, but here is the statement of grace, that God is reaching down to us. You just have to let that truth in these moments sink in. It is not about me and my works getting to God. It is that God, out of his unmerited favor to my life, he looked down and he didn't just look down in the past. He still looks down in his grace to reach to me. Just let that sink in. That is the unmerited favor of God. It is a theme that traces its way through Paul's writings. And I want you to see that on your sheet. It says Paul's teachings on grace. You can see in Romans, Galatians, Ephesians, 1 Timothy, Titus, and other scriptures where this theme of grace traces through. This morning we're covering those scriptures. That's why I've underlined them uh, we're going to cover those scriptures in Galatians if you want to go back and review, but you can read these others. Grace is the theme that traces through Paul's writings. Also, today we make a transition from the books of history to the writings in the New Testament, and I want you to see this in its framework today, the books of the New Testament. Just as the Old Testament was divided into books of history, writings, and prophecy, so the New Testament is broken down into history, writings, and prophecy. We have somewhat pass through these for our focus. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the life of Jesus. Acts is the story of the early church. And within the framework of Acts and a little bit beyond historically, you have the writings. And I have put the writings not in the order they are in your Bible, but in chronological order of when they were written. And you see, you see James and Galatians, you see the Paul's Paul's writings and 1st and 2nd Peter, Hebrews mixed in there, Jude and 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, which are the latest of this time period. 
Paul's writings are italicized. Um, there are 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament that are Paul's letters. Uh, the first of those is Galatians. And in Galatians, we have the clearest teaching of Paul on the one great truth, which is grace. And there was a reason for that. I want you to either turn in your Bibles or you can look at the screens. And I want you to see what Paul taught about grace in his letter to the Galatians. Now, Paul makes an introduction in the first five verses that is very customary. But in verse 6, he gets to the occasion of why he is writing his letter. And he says in Galatians 1, 6, and 7, he says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. Paul, this is one of the most uh, uh, in-your-face starts to a letter of any of Paul's letter. Paul's just, after he goes, hey, this is Paul, blah, 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 Here, hey, greetings, peace, all those things. Hey, boom, this is why I am writing you. Now, the Galatians were the people that were a part of the region of Asia Minor, or modern-day Turkey, of his first missionary journey. But after Paul had been there, and he had preached the gospel, and people had come to faith, through the grace of God, had been justified, made right with God, there were people that came behind him who were false teachers that taught something other than grace. And that becomes the occasion of why Paul pins this letter. And so he goes and he, the Holy Spirit sends him out and he preaches the gospel. People are led to faith. He organizes them into church. He moves, he gets run out of town. He moves on. He comes back and visits them. But some of them, he gets news of things that are going on in their church and he writes them a letter. Those are the 13 letters. Uh, most of them, about two-thirds of them, I think, to churches a handful of them to individuals, mostly pastors. On this occasion, he writes back to the churches of Galatia because false teachers had come in, and the thing that they were teaching, contrary to what Paul was teaching, was about grace. He connects grace as an essential component to the gospel. The gospel is the good news that they presented. And so he says in verse 1, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. To depart from grace, the one great truth, is to depart from the true gospel. The gospel is at the very essence, is essential, is at the very core of the gospel. And so that becomes the occasion. Notice he picks up in verse 11. And he says, as he continues to talk about this grace, but in a very practical uh, way, because it's, it's at the very forefront of what's going on in the Galatians' life. But in Galatians 1, 11 and 12, he says, But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. 
For I neither received it from man nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. The gospel and in turn the grace that he taught, Paul says, was not from man, but it came from God. In fact, theologically we would say the reason it came from God is because grace is at the very core of God's nature and his character. Please understand this concept. Paul says, this was not man's gospel, this was God's gospel. you got to get this. Religion, religion is man's attempt to get to God by his own righteousness and works. Every religion in the world is the same approach to God. It's just that the rules and the rituals change. You can change any religious leader of any of the world religions, from Muhammad to Buddha to Confucius. And it's all about what I must do in in the rituals and the rules so that I can get to God. The revolutionary thought comes from Christianity that says that's not it at all. It is not about man climbing by his own works and goodness to get to God. In fact, it it stems from Christ's teaching about grace. But what I, I went back and looked at this. Jesus never uses the word grace, but his teaching on grace is at the very center of all that he's teaching. What, what Jesus taught, if you begin to look back at his teaching, it is, it is not the righteous that get to God. What? How is that possible? Because inside of man, it, that makes sense to us. What must I do? For to be right with God. What do I have to do? And every religion fills in the blanks. This is what you have to do. Until Jesus Christ comes. And he says that it's not the righteous that get into the kingdom. It's the unrighteous. Who are willing to admit that their righteousness will not get them to God. And they repent. And what they discover is a God who is reaching down for them. In his grace and mercy. That underlines the teaching of Jesus, but it emerges from Paul. This is not man's gospel. This is what uh, Jesus Christ himself taught me. I, I have a theory of when this all formulated in Paul's mind. So Paul encounters Jesus. We've set the date at 34 A.D., on the road to Damascus. And then if actually in Galatians it says that he went three years into Arabia. Three years, Paul was in the desert. And you know what he was doing? It's like Daryl Smith, he was a processor. Wait a second, okay, I thought Jesus was dead. He's alive. Now let me go back. What have his disciples been teaching? What does that mean? And Paul was a great thinker. And for three years, he's processing this. How can this be? What does it mean? He's going back and he's looking at the Old Testament. And I believe he emerged out of those three years with it. It's like, wait a second. No, this changes everything. 
Because the Jews, everything that was ingrained in Paul and everyone else, including Peter, this is why Peter had such a hard time taking the gospel to the Gentiles and to preaching a gospel of grace. You know why? Because legalism was ingrained in his mind with the Jewish law, everything they had known generation and century after century was about here's you've got to be circumcised and you've got to you've got to be obedient to the sabbath and you have to do these dietary laws and this ceremonial law you've got to do all these things and you can be right with god the jews the jews were no different than the other world religions here are the rules and here are the rituals that you have to do in order to be right with god but all of a sudden, Paul has a revelation from Jesus Christ. That's not it at all. That's not what the Bible's been teaching all this time. They've missed it. And emerges as the gospel of Jesus Christ that says we are justified by the grace of God in our response of faith. I want you to see in your minds that salvation comes from God's side, not man's side. If there is one thing you can grasp today, that's what I want you to see. Everybody looks at the man's side of salvation and says, what do I have to do? And that's not the point at all. It's what God has done and is doing. Salvation comes from God's side, not man's side. That's pretty simple. But that's what we learn. That's what grace is all about. That's what emerges from the mind and heart. And when Paul writes those 13 letters and he laces it through, Paul becomes the dominant theologian that sets his mark on the early church. And to us, 2,000 years later, how are we made right with God? By the grace of God. That God did something by the death of his son to make us right. you got to get this, this, that truth. That's a starting point. I am made right with God because of what God did through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ's death on the cross was the ultimate expression of God's grace, his unmerited favor toward us. But when we, got, when we get down to practicality, the starting point is I am made right with God through grace. But we've got to get practical today because the implications of that are then we are to live in grace in how we relate to other people. If I have experienced the grace of God, if I bring no righteousness of my own, then there is no foundation for boasting because I didn't do anything to be saved and to be put in a right relationship with God. Therefore, do you get it? How do we relate to one another? on level ground because it's all about grace but what we do in our humanness is we 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 stack up our righteousness and we what do we do well we're quite honestly better than most people aren't we 
There's an incidence, incident that Paul uses to teach this, and it's in chapter 2, verse 11, and it relates to the great apostle Peter. But notice in Galatians 2, 11, you ought to read the whole book, the letter. It's not that long, but a couple more passages. Galatians 2, 11. Now, when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, who is the brother of Jesus, who writes the book later in the New Testament, who's, a, who's an apostle and a leader of the Jerusalem church, before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles, but when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. Hmm. When there weren't Jewish people around, Paul said, Peter said, oh, I can apply this principle and I can eat with Gentiles. But when the Jewish people who have these, this legalistic approach to God showed up, it's like, oh, well, can't eat with the Gentile guys anymore. No, I'm out. Well, wouldn't it be just like Paul to go, no, you're a hypocrite. That's the word. He, I don't know that he ever uses that here. Hypocrite. Who are you? All of a sudden, you're looking down on people because of somehow the family you were born into or that when you were a younger man, you lived according to these Jewish scruples, the rules and rituals, and now you're looking down on people. But Peter, you ought to know in your heart that's not the way you made it to God. It was by the grace of God. You're on level ground with them. I don't know all the words that Paul used. Would have loved to have been there for that conversation, though. And the rest of the Jews, verse 13, also played the hypocrite, there it is, with him. So that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, which is grace, I said to Peter before them all, If you, being a Jew, live in the manner of Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? We who are Jews by nature and not sinners like the Gentiles, here it is in verse 16, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. It's not just that we are made right with God in grace, but grace is also how we relate to others. Because grace teaches us that we all stand on equal ground. There is no grounds for boasting. It does not matter how good a person you are because you didn't make it in a right relationship with God by your goodness, but only by what God did in his son's death on the cross. Period. No room for boasting. No, we're all on equal ground. All in standing in need of grace. And Paul got this idea. And the reason the story is dominated by Paul historically from this point on. And like I described last week, it's almost as if Peter and John drift off stage left. <laughs> it's 
like, what happened to them boys? I thought they were like the big wigs. And they kind of emerge at times. Paul got this. Do you know why? Because it was the wave of where God was heading that the gospel was for all. Not the 1% of the world's population, the Jews, but the 100%, including the 99 who were Gentiles. And if you don't have to be a good Jew in order to get to God, then everybody can experience the salvation of Christ because it is about grace and not works. And Paul caught the wave big idea the greatest religious idea in all of human history that we are justified by grace through faith hmm. one other passage in chapter 5 because it's not just how we are made right with God it's not just how we relate to others but grace is about how we continue to be related to God. Oh my, I wish I had more time to pound this truth. <laughs> I'd really love to yell it this morning because Baptist preachers feel like if I yell it, it's really sinking into your brain. I'm not saying it's valid. It's just our perspective of life. This is the point where many Christians lose it. Actually, Paul's going to use a phrase, very interesting here, that they have fallen from grace. Wow. So many churches would teach. See, there it is. A Christian can be saved and then fall from grace. <laughs> That's not at all what Paul was teaching. Remember, is, is salvation from man's side or from God's side? From God's side, God's grace never changes. His unmerited favor doesn't change. And here's where many Christians miss it and lose it and get off. They get saved by grace through faith, and then they begin to relate to God back in works and legalism and ritual and rules. That's what happened to the Galatians. They were saved, they were justified by grace through faith. And teachers came in and said, oh, oh, wait a second, that's fine. But you need to do this now. Oh, really? I don't remember Paul teaching us that. No, no, you have to do this. I'll be honest with you. Hmm. In the world, in America, most Christians go to a church that teaches this to some extent that you are saved by grace but you are kept by your works and that is not the teaching of Paul do you know why because it is our default in our humanness what must I do and we cannot get this revolutionary thought idea doctrine truth in our brains to live it out to say, no, not only am I saved by grace, but I live in my relationship in grace with God. And so in chapter 5, he says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Stand in that grace. And do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage, legalism. 
Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. If you think you're going to be right with God because you're a Gentile and you become circumcised and that's going to make you right with God, no, you've departed from the truth of the gospel. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. If you're going to try to make it to God by the law, then you've got to keep it all. Let's see how that goes for you. You have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. You have chosen to approach God not through grace, but through your works. You have departed from the truth of the gospel. It does not change God's perspective of you, but it changes your approach to God. This can happen all the time. You can live a lie thinking you are somebody you are not. It's not the truth, but you have departed from reality and truth and thinking, I've, I've believed a lie and I believe this about myself, and it's not true. That is the concept that Paul is talking about when he says that they have fallen away, they have departed from the principle, the truth of grace. Verse 5, for we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. And finally he says, you ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Not only was it true for the Galatians, but it is true for many Christians and churches in our day. That after salvation by grace through faith, we revert to a legalism as a way of relating to God. But here it is. Christians are saved, kept, and are to live in grace. Do you know why? It is the one great truth that dominates everything else. And so what about you? What is the point today for you? How do you get to God? If you've never crossed the line of faith, I'm telling to you the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is not that you're going to work your way to God. You've got to give up that. And today you can do that. And throw yourself at the mercy and the grace of God who loved you enough to send his son to die for you. Some of us need to apply this. I need to apply it every day of my life that grace is also the great dominating truth that, that is to permeate how I relate to others. Let me tell you, some of you who have been sanctified for many years, I say that a little bit sarcastically. <laughs> Sorry. Thank you've been sanctified for so many years. You've been a Christian a long time. Let me tell you, it's very easy for the legalism to creep back in and you get to thinking you are somebody. You are somebody, but the truth is everybody is somebody in Jesus. <laughs> it's not just you, it's everybody. We get to thinking we are somebody by the lives that we've lived when we ought to remember it was only by grace that I was ever made right with God. And then some of you, 
have reverted back to a works-based relationship with God. Yeah, we need to serve Christ. We need to be obedient. But if you do it in order to keep your relationship with God, you need to give it up because God loves you unconditionally, fully. He accepts you. And you just got to stand in the grace of God. Amen? Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. Thank you for being patient today. Um, Byron and I are going to be at the front. We're going to sing. Father, today I pray that the one great truth that you would want us to know in all of these pages of your Bible, that we would understand and we would live in the grace, your unmerited favor that you've shown for us in Jesus Christ. Father, I pray today that we would come to that truth and that truth would dominate everything about our life. And I pray it in Jesus' name.